how many of you have seen uh, the movie Braveheart? Uh, the movie's about, well, yeah, the movie's about William Wallace, uh, uh, Scottish. Uh, I, I've heard, it kind of bums me out because I've investigated the story and I heard that it's a little embellished. Uh, but I, I'm going to believe that every single thing that happens in that movie is absolutely true uh, because I, I just love, uh, love it so much. But there's this idea about fighting for freedom and the idea of willing to put our own lives at stake for it. And that's exactly what the four, our forefathers did for this country. Uh, you know, they felt like there was a lot of unfair things uh, from at that time, the British rule, um, that we were not being represented, um, that we were not being looked out for, but yet we were to pay taxes. Uh, we, you know, we were subjects of uh, the king at that time. Um, and we just felt that that was very unfair. And these guys were willing not only to go to war for it, but they were even willing to uh, lay down their lives. In fact, if it did not go uh, the way that we hoped it would go, um, all of those men, you know, obviously would have been put to death uh, for that. So uh, just these stories are always captivating to me. Uh, and just like, uh, you know, uh, our, our story, our history, uh, but also the story of William Wallace, how he fought uh, again against oppression, uh, against, against a rule that was very unfair and very oppressive and things like that. It just got me, me thinking. And, um, you know, we, we, in fact, we sing about it today. Uh, as Christians, we, we kind of talk about this idea of freedom from sin, right? This, this oppression of sin. And, and there's a lot of parallels between uh, when we see uh, slavery and oppression in our world and how that translate into the, the spiritual realm. Um, I believe there's a lot of things that we see in the physical that are also representations of what's happening uh, in the spiritual. And so, for example, uh, let me give you some examples. How many of you uh, have a job uh, where you feel a little oppressed at? Where you feel like uh, it's a lot of you do this and you, and you get very little from it, right? Anybody ever experienced that? Maybe not at your current job, but has anybody ever experienced that, right? You kind of feel about right. How many have ever been in a situation, uh, you know, in any type of group where there always seems to be one person who seems to be kind of dictating to everybody else um, about what they think they should do, right? Okay, all right, Robert, Robert, Sandy, Andrew, thank you, right? We've all kind of experienced that and we don't like it, right? There's something in us that says, I don't like you pushing your, you know, stuff on me and telling me how I should live, how I should, you know, all that kind of stuff. We don't like it, right? That's kind of oppression. Well, let me just say this. What you're, what you're feeling in the physical, maybe in these, in these little bits, either whether it's with your job or, you know, maybe it's with family. I don't know, you know. But we, we sense something, but let me explain in the spiritual, that's what sin is. Sin is not just oppressive, but sin is actually something that binds us. We're, we're in bondage to it. Uh, the Bible even refers to it, we are slaves to it. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, this idea of spiritual slavery uh, versus uh, spiritual freedom, um, that you know, we need to recognize uh, the difference uh, between the two. I would like to look actually in the book of Philippians. So if you did bring your Bible, if you have your Bible apps on your phones, we're going to be looking in the book of Philippians, the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And if you guys are ever wondering, I usually read out of the New Living Translation, 
uh, and it's only just because it's an easy uh, read uh, compared to some of the other translations. So let's just dive uh, right in. This is, of course, Paul the Apostle writing to the Christians in Philippi, uh, and he's encouraging them to be united. He's encouraging them to work together, to to love each other. Uh, So let me just jump right in. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. By the way, I say that a lot to my children. Don't be selfish. I say that to myself too. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So, so Paul kind of starts off and he's encouraging, he's, by the way, he's talking to the church, okay? So he's talking to believers. And he's saying, listen, you guys, we, we've got to work together. We've got to be in one accord. We've we got to be, don't have this attitude of, of what it is that you can do for me, but have the attitude of, of what can I do for you? You know, I loved, uh, you know, when Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I'm going to be very honest with you, we're losing that. We're getting into a culture where we're saying, what can my country do for me? When we used to say, what can I do for my country? This is actually, what Kennedy was saying was actually biblical. What Kennedy was actually referencing was something that Paul said to the fellow Christians is, don't go into something saying, what can it do for me, but what I can do for you know, my fellow mankind, my friends, my family. So then he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. All right, so then he starts to say, well, what is that? Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Paul is explaining the life of of Jesus in like this quick, you know, couple verses. He's saying, listen... To understand, if we're going to follow after Jesus, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to dare say, you know, put the label of Christian on us, then you better understand what that means. And you better follow and do exactly what Christ did. And what Christ did was he humbled himself. He was God. Jesus was God. But he came in human form so that he could experience what we experience. And he gave up all that, you know, was at his disposal. Right? And he didn't come and say, bow down and, and worship me and do my bidding and, and you know, do this and do that for me. No, he came humbly. In fact, if you read about you know, the life of Jesus here on earth, he was constantly serving people. He was constantly laying hands on the sick so that they would get better. He was, you know, he was making the blind see. He was you know, raising the dead. He was casting out demons. He was freeing people from their bondage is what Jesus was doing. And Paul is saying, let's be like that. Let's have the attitude that it's not all about me. 
So there's this word in here that I kind of want to narrow in on, and the word is slave. Now, it seems contradictory, right? We talk about freedom, right? We are free from sin. As Christians, you know, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all we have to do is believe, and the moment that that belief happens, that that we are forgiven of our sins, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then what does it say? Then you will be saved. So it's only belief. It's only something that, you know, we believe in our heart and that we confess with our mouth with, that we become free. So then why does Paul all of a sudden label and Jesus came as a slave and that we must, and I thought, wait a minute, that this is kind of blowing my mind here. What does that mean? So I kind of looked into it a little further. The New King James actually uses the term bond servant, not just slave. Slave is kind of this overarching term, but bond servant actually means something. This is what bond servant means. Bond servant means devoted to another to the disregard of one, one's own interests. Basically a slave of one's own choosing. That's how Jesus came to this earth. That was his purpose, right? That was his purpose, devoted to another. That's, he was devoting himself to you and to me in disregard of his own interest, literally disregarding even his own life because that's what he ultimately did was he ultimately put his own life on the line to prove how much he loved you, that I'm going to die in your place, a bondservant. Jesus became a slave, or more accurately, he became a bondservant. So we are to become slaves to Christ, or bondservants. Bondservants, it's something that we choose. It's something that we are devoting ourselves to. The truth is, when you really think about it, you are all a slave to something, right? You are all a slave to something. Think about it for a second. What takes up most of your attention, right? If, if it was your leisure time, right, or, or at the minute you walk out of here, what are you a slave to? Most of you would probably say you're a slave to your job, right? Yeah? Most of you would probably say, I am a slave to my job. Yeah? Would you say kids? Okay. You are a slave to your children. That's, that's There's truth in that. You're a slave to your children. Some of you choose the things that you are a slave to, right? I know some of you. Uh, but we are all a slave to something. In fact, the Bible even says this. Uh, these these uh, were uh, Jesus' own words in Luke 16, 13. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He was obviously referring to you know, a, a particular object, but there's way more things that we can be slaves to. Money is probably one of the biggest ones, right? That's why we all work. Some of us work not because we like what we do, but we have to do it. It's very rare that we get to do something that we truly, truly love, you know, to do. Not all of us can be, you know, rock stars and actors and, you know, all those things. Some of us have to work for a living. Pay the bills. But I want to talk specifically about this idea of of spiritual slavery, You see, human slavery is the physical picture of what spiritual slavery looks like. The idea of one person completely oppressing another one by force and making them bow down to their will, right? We've all seen it. 
We've all seen the movies. We've all understand it. Every one of us in here at least understands the concept, even though if it's maybe never happened to us, we understand what slavery is. We all know our own personal history, and we all understand that when one group says we want to oppress another group, we want to hold this group down, and we want to make this group do what we say we want it to do. That is slavery, right? That is oppression. Sin is the chain that binds us, and the enemy Satan wants to oppress us and force us to do his will. Satan does not always openly tempt us into bondage, right? We don't always know it. We don't always understand it. But he uses tools like lust, greed, hatred, pride to lure us into bondage. Just like in the garden, just like when Satan first you know, came to Eve in the garden. He lured her. He deceived her. He deceived her. He lied to her. He was trying to, you know, with the idea of pride, like, listen, God's holding out on you. There's things he's not telling you. There's things he's holding back. And by the way, if you eat of this fruit, right, then you, you will know everything. And if anything, you will be like God. The enemy lied. And that's, he's been doing that Ever since day one, he's been lying to you, deceiving you, and he's been using these tricks to lure you into bondage. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, the Bible says this, all have sinned. There's not one of us in this room who is, who is sinless. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But the payment for that sin is death. That is why we are in this slow process of decay. That is why our bodies are slowly giving out on us. Because, you know, the the curse of death is already setting in. But even though our physical bodies may die, our spiritual lives, our, our, our spiritual bodies do not need to, you know, be cast away from God. We can have eternal life with him, and that is only through the blood of Jesus. It is only through what Jesus came and did, because Jesus came and it says that he was sinless. It said, he who knew no sin took sin upon himself. He died for every single one of us. The only way to be released out of this kind of slavery is for someone to pay for our freedom. Somebody had to pay, and it was something we couldn't afford. We couldn't do it ourselves. Jesus paid that price. And again, it says in verse 7, it says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus paid the price for our freedom. But now that we are free, Paul urges us to be like Christ, to become bondservants to God, to give ourselves completely over to his will. That sounds still kind of like, really? I still have to be a slave, you know, I, I still, I, I'm a slave over here, like what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, I'm about to explain the difference between being bondage and sin and being a bondservant to Jesus. The difference first is that we get to choose. I give myself wholeheartedly to God, and now I am his property. It's what being a Christian looks like. I show my loyalty and submission to God by first loving him, second worshiping him, 
Third, loving his people, by the way, that includes me, loving myself, and four, obeying his word, obeying his commands. The benefit of being a bondservant of Christ is actually freedom. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like, wait a minute, if I'm a slave to something, it means it has complete and utter control over me, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. And that's the problem. It's the problem with our mindset. We don't understand because the truth is, is all we know is this concept of slavery here on earth. All we know is this concept of oppression here on earth. But, but God has tried throughout time to show us. Paul actually explains it in Galatians chapter 4. And you don't have to turn to it, but I'm going to read it to you really quickly. These are Paul's words. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, so like an heir to something, right? An heir to property, an heir to a kingdom, whatever. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. What Paul's saying is, listen, there's no difference between a slave and a, and a child of somebody, you know, who eventually will become the owner of a property, whatever, they're still, at that point, they're still the same. Verse two, but under uh, guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father, even so we, when we are children, were in bondage under the same elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Something's changing. Something's changing. See, we were adopted as sons and daughters. This isn't just like being a slave anymore. This isn't even like being a bonded servant. Wait a minute, something's changing. You are now turning to actually a son or a daughter. And because you are sons or daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Do you see how quickly that changed for you? When we come as bondservants to God, when we submit ourselves to God, he immediately changes that. It starts to look much different than just a slave. Because then I'm adopted. Then I become a child. And because I become a child of his, I actually become an heir. So what does it mean to be an heir? Webster's Dictionary defines it as, one, a person who inherits or has the right to inherit property after the death of its owner. Two, a person who has legal claim to a title or throne when the person holding it dies. So three things. Property, right? Property, title, rulership. There's three things that when you become an heir, when you become a child of God, that you get because you are his son or his daughter. You get property, you get title, you get rulership. So let's first look at property. What does that mean? Luke 15, he said, and he said to him, son, and by the way, this is the story of the prodigal son. So Jesus is actually telling a story about what the kingdom of God looks like. He says, and then he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Did you not hear that? All that I have, God is saying to you and to me, all that I have, everything that is in, you know, my creation, in my realm, and in my reach is yours. So why do we walk around and act poor? Why do we walk around and act like we're without? Why do we walk around and act like, you know, that we don't have access to every single thing that God owns. 
The second thing is title. Once we become bond servants to God, once we give ourselves over to the Lord, there's a title that happens. This speaks to our identity. In 1 Peter 2.10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You see, once we become a child of God, we are now his. Our title, our, our identity is now a son or a daughter of the king. You walk differently when you have a title above you, right? We should. And by the way, the world is trying to confuse you. The world is trying to rob you of that because actually the enemy knows. The enemy knows who you are, and so the enemy wants to confuse you and rob you of that and tell you that you are less than, tell you that you're a mess up, that you're a screw up, that you're broken, that you're diseased, that you're no good. That is a lie. That is false. The truth is that your identity is that you are a son or a daughter of the king of kings, the creator of all. And the third thing is rulership. Rulership. Second Timothy says, in Second Timothy 2.12, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But it says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. You see, we go from being sons or daughters and we actually going from being rulers alongside with him. That's what eternity looks like, you guys. That's what eternity looks like. That's what God has for us. That's his plan for you and for me. So really, I ask you this question. Do you want to be a slave to sin or do you want to be a bondservant? Of Jesus Christ. Because a slave to sin means complete oppression, complete bondage, and ultimately means eternal death. But when I say I am going to be a bondservant or a slave or a servant of God, what that really means is that I am coming into his family, that I'm actually becoming an heir, and I actually get to become a part of this greater thing what God had always intended and planned for you. And guess what? You walk around a little differently. You walk around a little with your head held high, right? Not with that head down, wondering, God, why? What, what is all this? So when we talk about freedom, you guys, when you, we talk about freedom, yes, the, we are always gonna be fighting that, that freedom in the physical. Because of sin, because of sin in this world, there's always going to be somebody that wants to oppress you. But remember that. When you start to feel that, remember the spiritual. And remember that there is an enemy, and his name is Satan, who also wants to oppress you. Who also wants to bring you into bondage. But you have a choice. You have a choice to make. You can submit yourself to Jesus Christ, which all you have to do, the Bible says, is believe. And you become a bondservant to Jesus, to so completely submitting yourself over to him. But then you become heirs, become sons or daughters, and we actually become, we actually rule and reign with him for all eternity. I believe that, you guys. I believe that. And that's when I think of Independence Day, that's what I think of. I don't think of just my physical independence. I think of my freedom from sin, but I also think about my dependence on God and what comes with that and what that means.
Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father God, we thank you for loving us. Father, we thank you that you had a plan for us from day one. From day one of creation, you had a plan for our lives, a plan of redemption, a plan to save us, a plan to free us. Lord, may we understand and may we come to the understanding of how much you love us and that we don't have to be bondage to this world that we don't have to live under the oppression of our culture or the oppression of the enemy. That, Lord God, we could have freedom, that we can live in utter freedom. And that really being a slave to you really means freedom. Freedom from sickness, freedom from pain, freedom from hurt, freedom from our past, freedom from addiction, Freedom from loneliness, freedom from confusion. Father God, would you just today, would you wash over us with your love? As I'm speaking about this, I just feel like that there's some people in here and you feel that weight on you. You feel that weight that just feels like something is just trying to push you down. And if anything, you're getting exhausted by the weight of it. Jesus says, I'm here. The Bible says, to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. The Bible says for us to, to take his yoke because his yoke is light. There is nothing that you're going through that God can't handle. There is nothing. There is no sin that can keep you from God's love. There is no brokenness that God can't heal. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I submit to you that you would believe it too because then you will find freedom in your life. Receive it today. I have a question for you. If you have never ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, if you have never ever, as the Bible says, <laughs> kind of confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you would simply say, you know what, today's the day. Today's the day that I'm going to make that declaration. My declaration of freedom today, freedom from bondage, freedom from sin, freedom from oppression, today is the day. Today is the day. If that is you, just kind of in the, the privacy of this moment, and you would say, you know what? I'm going to proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior today. 
Will you just simply raise your hand so that I can see it? So that I can agree with you in prayer? And maybe you've done it before, but maybe you say, you know what, I just want to make a recommitment today that God, that Jesus is my Lord, that he is my Savior, that I give him everything, I give him my whole life, I become a bondservant of his. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we make that today. And if you just want to make it in your heart, if, just say that to him in your heart. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my God. I will serve you. And I ask that you would come and free me, that you would take all of the chains that are binding me, all the walls that I've put up that you would tear down, Lord God. You'd bring healing into my heart, healing into my life. I give you everything, Lord Jesus. I become a bond servant to you and nothing else, and nothing else. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Will you guys stand with me as we sing this last song together?